So what kind of God are we dealing with? What does God do when he comes across rebellious people? His people, the people that he's made, the people that he has formed. This is something we don't know yet from the story, and this is also something the man and his wife could not have known. So let's look at Genesis chapter 3, verse 14. The Lord God said to the serpent. Now, now if you think back, the story we just worked through, first God comes to the man. What have you done? It was the woman. That, then he goes to the woman. She said, well, it was, the, it was the serpent. But in the words of curse, God goes first to the serpent, then to the woman, and then back to the man. Look at what the Lord God says to the serpent. Because you have done this, cursed are you above all livestock and above all beasts of the field. On your belly you shall go, and dust you shall eat all the days of your life. Now that, that seems to be a curse directly unlike the physical serpent, who was more crafty than all the other beasts that the Lord God had made in verse 1 of chapter 3. You're going to be cursed above every beast that I've made, God says. But verse 15 continues the curse on the serpent, and we then realize, you know what, this, this curse is extending beyond any kind of physical snake. This curse is going to reach to the power behind the serpent. Verse 15, And I will put enmity, or division, or hostility between you, that's the serpent, and the woman. Now, is that good or bad? Like from the woman's perspective, she's just sided with the serpent against God. And now God says to the serpent, I'm going to put division between you and that woman. And not just that, it says, and between your offspring, like the offspring that come from the serpent, and her offspring. So this conflict, this hostility that God is now putting between the serpent and the woman will, will actually be one that goes down the generations. Those who align with the serpent and those who seemingly align with the woman, there's going to be continued hostility between the two. But is the hostility going to last forever? Look at verse 15 again. And he shall bruise your head. Now, who's the your? Your head. That's God is talking to the serpent, right? Who's the he then? That must be the woman's offspring. God says to the serpent in a curse on the serpent, there's going to be division between you and the woman and between your seed, your offspring, and her offspring, and her offspring is going to bruise your head, and you shall bruise his heel. Now, what does that mean? I want you to think about that. I mean, that's bad news for the serpent. But is that maybe good news for the woman? We'll come back to that. But now God turns to the woman. 
And he says in verse 16, I will surely multiply your pain in childbearing. In pain you shall bring forth children. You see, what God said to the serpent made us think, well, the woman is going to need to have offspring, right? That's going to be the only hope that maybe we have in some way to, to defeat this serpent who just led this rebellion. I mean, it's kind of unclear, but, but we're kind of thinking along those lines. And then the next thing God says is to the woman, and look, it's going to be through great pain and difficulty that you're even able to have offspring and raise offspring. But not just that. Your desire, to the woman, God says this, your desire will be for your husband. Now, we may think, well, oh, that's, that's really nice. But remember, this is part of the curse. Your desire will be for your husband. Like in, in my text here, it gives a, another option for the translation. Your, your desire will be against your husband. Maybe you have something different in your own translation. But the main thing is this is a curse. Her desire is going to be against her husband, maybe to be independent from her husband. But then the curse gets even worse. Your desire, woman, will be for your husband. And he will rule over you. Remember, this is God's curse of the beautiful, harmonious, loving, peaceful relationship between the man and the woman. And God says to the woman, you're going to want to be independent or be against your husband, but he's going to dominate you. And this is God's curse. That beautiful design in the garden for beautiful, peaceful relationship between husband and wife. God says it's going to be fractured. This is God's curse. Verse 17. Now God turns to the man, to Adam. And to Adam he said, Because you have listened to the voice of your wife and have eaten of the tree of which I commanded you, you shall not eat of it. Cursed is the ground because of you. In pain you shall eat of it all the days of your life. Thorns and thistles it shall bring forth for you, and you shall eat the plants of the field. By the sweat of your face you shall eat bread, till you return to the ground. For out of it you were taken, for you are dust, and to dust you shall return. This is God's curse on the man. The curse of on work. Remember, God's original design was for man to work. But now work will be through such pain and agony and difficulty. And man will struggle with work, with the land. It'll be like the man will be fighting against the land just in order to survive. And then in the end, the man will die. He'll return to the dust, to the ground. The dust from which he was taken. Because God says, for you are dust. And God knew because God made the man. You are dust. And to dust you shall return. I mean, you step back from these things and you think, wow. And did, they, did they ever 
imagine these kinds of consequences. You had the man following the voice of his wife who was following the serpent when the man and the woman were supposed to be together exercising dominion over the serpent. And now God goes to the serpent and curses the serpent and to the woman and curses the woman and to the man and curses the man, curses the ground. You've got our parents hiding in fear and shame from God, not willing to admit who they are. And we think paradise has been lost. The serpent has won the day. And that is the case in this text. All except for that one single line in Genesis 3, verse 15. In that line that the woman's offspring would bruise or crush the head of that serpent, even though the serpent would crush his heel. Now, it's not going to be clear to us all that that means right now, but I mean, if God could grant the woman a child who would be able to crush the head of the serpent? I mean, what are you thinking? What would that mean? That would mean the serpent would lose, that God is promising in the garden that one day the serpent who has led humanity against God and into the curse, one day that serpent will be defeated. His head will be crushed, but it will be after a long period of conflict and it'll even be through a gruesome battle with the offspring of the woman because the serpent is going to strike at the heel of the woman's offspring but the woman's offspring will prevail that is the line of hope and then when we step back from the text and we think why did god give any hope at all you notice it wasn't because of anything in the man or the woman, or even because of their response. They didn't want anything to do with God. They weren't looking for God. They weren't asking for mercy. They were running and hiding. But God came to them, and it was out of His mercy that He made a promise of grace, a promise of hope in the midst of judgment and curse. And I wonder, did Adam... And his wife pick up on that line of hope, on that promise of a future defeat of the serpent. And I wonder even as they, if they did, what would they have been thinking? If God would make a way to crush the serpent, I wonder, does that mean there could be a path back to what we lost? We'll have to keep reading to find out.